0: Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome to Disco Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. It's a pleasure to be with you, as always. Today we are very privileged to have Dr. Shabir, who is a child and adult, with an unbelievable TV, too long to read on air, many... Uh, many accolades, and he is a specialist in ADHD, and that's what we're going to be speaking about today. Dr. Jeeva, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Uh, thanks a lot. I have a slight echo. Do you have an echo too?
1: Um, it should go away. My echo is gone, oh, thank but um, I don't think okay. I can hear it on there. On oh, okay. Thank you. Obviously, we're doing the the show remotely um, and yeah. via Skype, so... Sometimes that happens, but thank you, Dr. Shabev. Tell me why ADHD. Why did that become your um, your specialty? What interested you so much about it? Uh, well, uh, when
2: I was uh, bec- uh, training in Canada as a psychiatrist, and then I did child psychiatry, and I saw that all the patients that I was treating were exactly the way I was at school. <clears throat> they were high functioning. They were bright. They were they were not concentrating. They were busy and all sorts of other other things and at times they were a- impulsive and at other times uh, they got into d- uh, difficulty as far as uh, temper and things like that and I said wow this is exactly what I got so I got myself assessed and sure I was ADHD and uh, <clears throat> then I uh, I was. they started treatment on me but uh, now in retrospect when I look back uh, I didn't know uh, very early in my marriage that I had ADHD uh, so I told my uh, ex-wife that your mother-in-law, your mother is a big fat cow, which is true. And uh, so actually, that is the beginning of losing that marriage. So that is the impulsivity of ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> it's the impulsivity of ADHD without thinking of what you say and the, without thinking of the consequences. And it cost me a whole marriage. So then when I was assessed uh, prior to qualifying as a child psychiatrist, I've been on treatment for the last 28 years. Uh, with great success, and if I don't take my medication, uh, then I fight with the secretaries, and I fight with my staff, and I fight with anybody that's irritating me and frustrating me. So ADHD can be easily treated. There's great treatment. We have great success. We have tons of patients. We treat all ages from uh, 3 to 83, and uh, it's a very exciting field.
1: Okay, because, I mean, clearly, though, you were, you were functioning Functioning, mean half-functioning enough that you were able to study med and become a, a a doctor? I think maybe it's a misconception that people with ADHD can't learn or can't work or can't become something without uh, being treated.
2: Yeah, that's very true. So whenever uh, patient, the first thing that the mothers, yesterday I saw a mother from Canada, i doing virtual uh, consultation, and she said, oh, my son is very clever, my son is very clever, my son is very clever. Then they start the whole, started the whole session, and the father sent me the forms for his assessment. And every, on the rating scale, every answer was not applicable or minus or zero, like low. But when I asked her, what's wrong? Why do you want to see me? She said, well, he doesn't sit still. He doesn't listen to us. He's rude, and he forgets everything, giving me all the symptoms of ADHD. So I said, the symptoms you gave me and what you filled in is a discrepancy. No, no, but he's very clever. He's very clever. I said, yeah, no. All ADHD is normal and high IQ. I showed them the slide of Tom Cruise. I mean uh, 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 Einstein, Kennedy, uh, um, uh, Richard Branson, Will Smith, and that. Oh, well, we didn't know these clever guys could be ADHD. So all it's a normal and high IQ condition, highly genetic. Only thirty to forty percent have learning difficulty. Learning difficulty doesn't mean they're stupid. It, de- it means it depends on what school and what uh, help and what environment they are in. But basically, it's a, it's a very high uh, IQ or, or high uh, intelligent and highly manipulative condition. These kids know how to play around with us, and they know how to do tricks. It's just that they lose out on time. So I tell the ADHD kids, you've got to be a smart ADHD. You don't, don't be a normal ADHD. If you think you're going to get into trouble and you're going to lose a war or a fight, don't get into a fight. Run, rather. But if you think you're going to win and it's worth winning, then you get into the fight. So you don't have to fight every battle and fight everybody. And the father of ADHD is Dr. Hallowell, and he describes that these kids are Ferrari brains and bicycle brakes. That's, oh. an, that's,
1: an, unbelie- that's an unbelievable analysis. I mean, an unbelievable uh, comparison. We're just going to take a short break, uh, Dr. D. No will problem. We'll be back talking about
0: ADHD after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam. Promises to care.
1: Welcome back to This Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we are very privileged to have Dr. Shabir with us, who is a psychiatrist and specialist in ADHD, being a pace health. And I'm so excited because I was also an undiagnosed ADHD. My whole uh, childhood and uh, my whole childhood university career, even up to uh, specializing, the first time I took medication was when I was studying for my primaries of uh, ENT. And you know, one of my favorite jokes, Doctor Shabir, was how many, how many, cho- how many children with ADHD does it take to change a life dog?
2: So uh, it's very exciting. Uh, uh, the line is not very clear, but I'll try to answer what I heard. So Ferrari brain and bicycle brakes. We tell the kids. Uh, usually, the very important thing is how do you tell these children or the parents that the child has ADHD. Well, when the parents get assessed in our office, we have about 10 rating scales. And from the rating scales, we show them what are the different symptoms. And uh, there are three kinds of ADHD. One is the combined type, which is the most common, 65%. Then the hyperactive, impulsive, that everybody knows, that's only 15%. And the inattentive type, the girl's type, the lazy-looking type, is 25%. So majority of the kids are in the combined type. And uh, the parents say, he's not active, he's not jumping around, he's not rude. Uh, and so um, that's what we do. We, uh, we, we, we use an analogy. So when I use, uh, when I use, uh, uh analogy, then, uh, then, uh, the kids get very happy because we're talking about a Ferrari. They can identify with the Ferrari. They, they know what is a Ferrari. And basically, uh, they're very happy they are Ferrari. So Halliwell says, I'm a brake specialist. I change the brakes. Your Ferrari is, your Ferrari is going too fast and we need to put in new brakes and the kids are quite accessible to it, amenable to it and they like that. I hope it's clear. No,
1: absolutely, absolutely clear. Can you hear me better now?
2: Yeah, no, I can hear you clearly, but I just got a message that, uh, can you change oh, no. the,
1: I, I, I didn't, yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> think, uh, I not think that you could hear me. Yeah. No, I can hear you perfectly. No, well. no, I, so I can can hear to... you. Now
2: you're fine. Now it was just uh, muffled earlier. Go ahead. Okay,
1: okay, I've got i uh, I've got a question from a caller, that, and he says that uh, he, uh, when he that uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD. That it was disempowering and stigmatizing label given to people whose cognitive processing speed and focus are not suitable for an economy. I'm reading exactly his thing, and yeah. they're more concerned with Hermans as, as units of uh, economic reproduc- uh, production than as people. And uh, how, do you, how do you respond to this? I mean, do, do people with ADHD have to be treated? And what percentage of the population do have ADHD?
2: Oh, okay, 7 to 9 percent of the children have ADHD, and 70% go to adulthood so about 5% of the adults have ADHD now 65% of uh, children in South Africa are diagnosed and treated that's quite fair we still have 35% to go so the the insinuation that doctors are abusing or uh, kids are abusing prescriptions of ritalin and doctors are family doctors are just easily widely prescribing ritalin it's not totally true but the unfortunate thing is that uh, 90% of the adults are not diagnosed and not treated, because there's a change in symptoms. The three main symptoms of ADHD is inattention. That's why the name attention deficit. And the second symptom is hyperactivity or overactivity, which is not the most important, but everybody thinks it's the most important. And the last one is impulsivity. Saying or doing things without thinking, before thinking, the hyperactivity, very important part that is most, most doctors miss it. When girls talk too much, it is a form of hyperactivity. You don't need other movement. Moving the tongue is enough of talking. So usually the mother talks six to a dozen, and then you know, well, genetically where you could have come from. But it is the inattentive type, the so-called lazy type, where they forget things and they don't pay attention, and that gets them into trouble at school, but they're not, uh, they're not diagnosed. And the first thing the parent would say, as I said, that they are very clever, and secondly, they don't want any medication. Now, what happens if you don't get medication? There is mild, moderate, and severe ADHD. Mild, uh, mild ADHD, you can use all the holistic treatment. What is the holistic treatment? Exercise. The latest thinking in the world is five days a week of exercise, not just two days a week. And, and, and you, what, kind of, what kind of exercise? Yeah, you, you need half cardio and half resistance. So it's five days a week. 80 to 90% your heart rate, enough to break out a sweat. You can't just go to the uh, gym and socialize with the girls and say you went to the gym and you're exercising. No, no. You must sweat. You must work out. Half you cardio. might be
1: breaking out the sweat either way. Uh,
2: yes. Half, <laughs> half, <laughs> uh, 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 half cardio and half resistance. So we used to go to the gym and my friend's wife was working, like, uh, working out like hell on a treadmill. And my friend and I were busy talking to all the girls and we didn't really sweat, so that's not, I mean, right. that's, social, that's socializing. So holistic treatment, the main treatment for ADHD is exercise, exercise, exercise. If you do two, three days a week, the, uh, the impact of exercise is only uh, mediocre. If you do five times a week, there's a 300% improvement in exercise. Now, why exercise? Not to keep thin and to keep fit. The exercise increases the neurotransmitters, the chemicals that is short in ADHD. In psychiatry, there are three Tell me to stop whenever you want to because I keep on talking.
1: In psychiatry, no, I'll carry on talking. I can add break in a minute I, when yeah, you finish in, this. Okay.
2: In psychiatry, there are three main neurotransmitters: this, uh, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Serotonin is very important for the patients who do not have ADHD. ADHD untreated usually ends up in anxiety and depression in most adults, especially women. So they, the doctors give them SSRI, serotonin blocking drugs. That, that helps in the non-ADHD patients, but in the ADHD patients, the SSRIs don't work. What's short in ADHD is dopamine, which is for uh, for focusing, which is the AD attention deficit, and no adrenaline is for the impulsivity. So these two neurotransmitters are low. So you have to increase them. That's what the medication does. What does the medication do? It blocks the uptake or the loss of your own natural dopamine and no adrenaline. It doesn't do any other thing. It's just simple blocking, so it increases the amount you've got. And if you have enough dopamine and no adrenaline, then you can focus better, and then you can also uh, be less impulsive. The other thing, uh, funnily enough, the dopamine works on the pleasure center of the brain. So if the child feels bored, lonely, tired, fed up, he wants something to feel lacquer. That lacquer is called dopamine. We call it dopamine, you call it lacquer. So he's always looking for things to do like chocolate, coffee, Coke, Red Bull, drugs, alcohol, depending on what
1: age they do all these things. Excellent. Awesome. We're going to take a short ad break
0: and we'll be back Thank today. you. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome back to Disco Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we're speaking to ADHD specialist, Dr. Shabir Jima. And it's been quite entertaining in a lot of the way that you're explaining it to our listeners, and I can see how passionate you are about what you do, and I can also tell why you're such a popular lecturer and, uh, and doctor. So you were busy speaking about all the different neurotransmitters, So in ADHD, can you maybe tell us what's actually going on inside the brain and uh, why we can't concentrate?
2: Okay, so basically there's a shortage of one of the two neurotransmitters. So the two main uh, neurotransmitters, (coughs) we'll talk first about uh, the noadrenaline. Noadrenaline is for impulsivity. If you've got enough noadrenaline, you are less impulsive, you are less angry. And if you don't have enough, you can get angry, you can get road rage, you can have a temper. You can uh, blurt out answers in class. You can interrupt your parents or you can interrupt your teacher. And, of course, you can be on the go all the time. And as I mentioned, you can talk a lot. So hyperverbalization in the girl's type is hyperactivity in the boy's type. Then uh, the, the next neurotransmitter is dopamine. Now, dopamine helps you focus. So you need more dopamine when you're not paying attention or when you're not uh, listening or when, when you tend to forget things and you get distracted. The main symptom in adulthood is distraction. There's no much activity and impulsivity as you get older. So then you need more dopamine. A dopamine uh, helps you focus. That's what we need. And that's why the in the stimulants, the Ritalin groups help you focus more. Rather than the newer one, there's new st- stimulants that have come out into the country. It's not official on the uh, pharmacy shelves, but we do import it to Section 21. Vivens, it's quite superior. It's an amphetamine. We'll talk about it in the end if we have time. So these are the these are the two neurotransmitters that we're, we're looking for treatment in in getting this. Now, if you don't use if you don't use medication, then you find your own treatment. So what is your own treatment? The healthy treatment is exercise protein diet and meditation the not so healthy treatment is anything that makes you feel lacquer so what makes you feel lacquer Su- sweets sugars carbohydrates smoking chocolate coffee red bull all these things make you feel lacquer when you feel lacquer the dopamine goes up and you can focus the tertiary things that make you feel lacquer is shopping power money cyber addiction. You'll spend a few minutes in the end. Tell me, give me three minutes in the end to talk about screen but this time. Sounds
1: a bit, this sounds like a bit like, uh, about, uh, like a manic episode. Is I mean... Uh,
2: okay, are they, yeah, we,
1: yeah. Are 25,
2: yeah, they are, they are cousins. Uh, what happens is uh, uh, 25, uh, 10% of the um, ADHD kids end up in uh, antisocial behavior, stealing, psychopath, and anything like that. 15% of them switch over to bipolar disorder, and 25% of bipolar switch over to ADHD. So they are cousins. So people who don't know much about ADHD and who hasn't treated much would, would loosely tell that uh, patient, "Ah, oh, you are crazy. You got man- you are manic, or you got bipolar," and it's actually ADHD misdiagnosed. So 20- 15% of them uh, of the ADHD switch over to bipolar. 30 to 40, 30 to 40 percent uh, of the ADHD switch over as they get older to anxiety and depression, and lastly 50 to 60 percent, unfortunately, uh, switch over to substance abuse. So these are all the comorbidities. If you don't, if you don't treat the patient, or you don't adequately treat the patient, in South Africa, what is happening? They, they all get the correct treatment, but not the right dose. We are very aggressive. I'm very, rather very aggressive in my office. I use the Canadian guidelines. And whenever you ask the parents, what's the maximum dose of ritalin in a child? Which I don't use much ritalin. I use the long-acting ritalin, uh, like the contramile or Concerta or any of that stuff. And the maximum dose of a stimulant, especially methylphenidate, which is ritalin family, is sick, according to the Canadian guidelines. Is 60 milligrams a day in a child and 100 milligrams in an adult. And not single so can that, we?
1: Can I jump in while you're talking sure. about ritalin? Obviously, sure, sure. a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, prescription probably by people who shouldn't be prescribing it, Uh, maybe some abuse as well. You know, when I was writing my exams, I wrote my prescriptions for my own uh, Ritalin, and I did very very well on it. Um, But can you tell us, it's a stimulant methylphenidate. How does it work? How does it affect our neurotransmitters, and why is it so good for ADHD?
2: Okay, all the stimulants, like, uh, they started, 1937, they discovered Ritalin. And since then, they've made different kinds of Ritalin they have. Ritalin itself, the 10 milligram short-acting, that lasts three and a half hours. Then they found it is too aggressive and too short. They asked them, "Can you make a longer one?" So then they made Ritalin LA, long. Uh, I mean, they made Ritalin SR, sustained release. It was perfectly long, about eight hours, but it was useless. It was very weak. It wasn't going up, high up and doing its work as uh, power. Then many doctors would be giving it twice a day because we said. It lasts three and a half hours, that's not enough. So they would, the parents would give it at six, and then the, the teachers would give it at twelve, which is ridiculous, because if you give it at six, ten o'clock, it's finished. So between ten and twelve, it's not working. So they say, okay, let's make a long-acting one. So they made the SR perfectly long, but useless. Then they said, no, the Ritalin people said, okay, let's join up two Ritalins. So Ritalin is three and a half hours, then it peaks and it dips and peaks and it dips. So two, three and a half hours put together is seven hours of Ritalin, which is uh, Ritalin LA or long-acting, but it had peaks and it had dips, and uh, they didn't like it because the initial Ritalin comes out. The release is different in all these medications. Ritalin and Concerta is all the same. The the, the release is different. So they're not different. Some parents say, oh, my child is taking uh, Concerta. It's fine. Your child is taking Ritalin. is terrible. No, 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 no. It's the same drug inside. The release is different. <clears throat> so then after Ritalin LA, then they made Concerta. Concerta comes out 22% in the first four hours <clears throat> and then about um, 76% in the next four hours. It lasts about eight hours. But we don't find uh, Concerta uh, lasting uh, 10, 12 hours. Sometimes it finishes by uh, about six hours. So we give most of our patients get a, a, a long-acting stimulant like Concerta in the morning and again at lunch. Then after Concerta, in the last two years, they came out with Contramile. It was a generic. So it is 30% cheaper, and it does the same job. So 90% of my patients have been changed to Contramar with great success. Then the Concerta people felt a little slanted that uh, that Contramar was taking all the bucks. So they made uh, Nucon, which is a clone, which is 20% cheaper. but It's exactly the same factory, same shape, same box, same everything as Concerta. Which just goes so,
1: on a different uh, production line, just a different box. Yeah. yeah, it's made in Costa yeah. Rica, actually.
2: Yeah. It blocks the uptake or the loss of your own natural dopamine and no That's what it does. So then you have enough. If you're short of it, then you've got to supplement it with it. So how do you supplement? You do things that you feel nice. That's where chocolate, coffee, Coke, Red Bull, drugs, alcohol, Tiger with sex, any of the things that make you feel ni- uh, lacquer, that increases the dopamine and the no and the adrenaline. So if you don't get treatment, what happens? All the things get worse without adequate treatment. So in South Africa, they use the right drug most times, but the dose is not right. That's why the patients are not getting well. So you have preschool. You must tell me to stop whenever you want. There's preschool, primary school, high school, and adulthood. The, the, the things that go wrong with ADHD in kids is language problems, learning difficulty. About 30 40% of the kids have that. The very important thing that is missed in children in schools and homes is opposition-defying disorder. Opposition-defying uh, disorder is, is basically uh, saying that the kids are rude and they're difficult. They lose their temper. They argue with adults. They refuse to comply with the rules of adults. They deliberately annoy people. They blame others for their mis- mistakes. They're touchy, easily annoyed, angry, resentful, and stubborn. So if you love, love your child a lot, And the definition of ODD, opposition-defined disorder, is if you love your child a lot and when nobody's looking, you feel like donoring them up, that is ODD. They irritate and frustrate you so much, you want to knock them. Now, what is happening? That part of the ADHD, uh, uh, about 70% uh, 70%, uh, of the the kids develop opposition-defined disorder. That's the main comorbidity of ADHD. Comorbidity means additional illness. Now, that cannot be treated by Ritalin, Concerta, or stimulants. So the parents said, oh, I'm treating my child. No, no, no. He's not doing well. He's not getting well. Sure, he's not getting well, because however, says, Ferrari brain's bicycle brakes. The brakes need something else. So in opposition-defined disorder, the treatment is epilim and respirador. And it breaks. Now, epilim is an anticonvulsant. the patient is not epileptic. It's a mood stabilizer. Respirador is antipsychotic. It's not used as antipsychotic. These two are used as mood stabilizers. And that is the brakes of the Ferrari. The success rate of treating behavior, especially opposition defined disorder, is 100, 110% with the uh, epilome respirator. So ODD must be treated. And unfortunately, just stimulant alone does not treat the child, especially if he's hyperactive, impulsive, or combined. The inattentive type do not need brakes. They need dynamite. So they need more stimulant to perk them up. But the combined type, which is 60%, 5% of the kids, they would need <clears throat> breaks <clears throat> and stimulant. So the good thing is this new medication that's coming out, Vyvanse, it has a combination of stimulant. It's an amphetamine, but it also has, uh, works on the serotonin. So it, it helps depression and anxiety. So it's far superior than the Ritalin Concerta and hopefully it'll be on the shelves in the next three, four months. Uh, I don't know when.
1: So this is okay. part can of the, you, can you, is, so can you tell me I see often a lot of, um, just to clarify, I see a lot of my patients, uh, children who are coming in for tonsils or grommets or they are, they say they've got ADHD and they've been put on Ritalin as well as Risperdal. I mean, I used to see Risperdal in, in the psychiatric patients as a, as a student. So explain again clearly which children just need Ritalin and which need Risperdal and why they need Risperdal.
2: Okay, so there's three types of ADHD. The main one is the combined type, which is 65% of the kids. So combined means they'll have activity and impulsivity, which you need to use breaks, and they'll have inattention. <clears throat> so uh, the next type is uh, totally inattentive. They need nothing. They only need a stimulant and a lot of exercise. Exercise is more important than the medication exercise, increases the neurotransmitters, the dopamine, the noidolin. And the very <clears throat> active, type, active type, it's only 15%, will definitely need the breaks, uh, Respiridol and Epilum. Now, how do they work? Respiridol is a typical antipsychotic. Uh, it also works as a tertiary mood stabilizer. But in ADHD kids, we use it for aggression and temper. We don't, we don't use it for psychosis. There's no psychosis. In ADHD, if there's any suspicion of psychosis, then you have to look for <coughs> bipolar disorder because of 3 to 5% of kids, there's an overlap of uh, <coughs> bipolar disorder and ADHD. The epilim is for epilepsy. We don't have epilepsy in my office. That is a mood stabilizer again, and we monitor them by blood tests so the kids get 300 milligrams twice a day, the adults will get 500 twice a day, the women will get in between. It's it's a honey, as you say. You put in the honey and sweeten them up, and it works tremendously. It works very well, and more doctors should use it. The first thing about behavior is use honey or moose stabilizers. The first thing about laziness is use a stimulant, because laziness or boredom is inattentive ADHD. Now, for the parents who are at home, don't fret. During COVID, ADHD gets worse. So one ADHD child is worth three other children you're looking after, and one ADHD parent is with two t- parents. So if you have a husband and wife, and uh, we were on TV once, there was a husband, uh, husband, wife, and she said she had three kids. All the kids were ADHD, and supposedly she was ADHD too. So each kid, three times three, there's worth nine kids, and the two, she's two is eleven kids. So Her husband is one is twelve. So she's looking after twelve people. In Canada, for every three, you get a free nurse. So she's she's doing the work of four nurses. So take pride that you're doing such a great job, parents. You're doing great work, and uh, for looking after so many people, twelve people instead of four people. So one ADHD child is like looking after three ADHD children. So don't sweat. You're doing a, you're doing a good job. The other thing is that if you don't take medication, they get worse with age. So usually. The hyperactivity, impulsivity, the symptoms change as you grow up. So the hyperactivity, impulsivity with age gets less or gets better. So by the time they get to matric or first year university, it is very low. But the inattention gets less, but it doesn't get better. It's still above the symptoms line. So it means the symptoms are still there. So in first year university or matric, the wheels fall off. The wheels fall off and they usually crash. They fail in the first year or they get dropouts. 40% 40% of the university dropouts are ADHD undiagnosed. It's very unfortunate. So the inattention gets worse at that time. What is inattentive of ADHD in adults? They have problems with time management, organization, procrastination, financial management, anxiety and depression. So anxiety and depression is a big part of ADHD. Is it depression? Is it anxiety? All the patients ask. Sure, it's ADHD, anxiety, ADHD, depression. And for the doctors... The SSRIs do not work well on the ADHD, anxiety, or depression. You need a dual-action antidepressant like Valbutin or uh, Brintellix or something for for the combination of the neurotransmitters because uh, the SSRIs only work on the serotonin. So SSRIs are tremendous on non-ADHD depression and uh, anxiety, but not in ADHD, and anxiety, and depression. If a patient has been treated for anxiety over yeah. years and is not getting well, check for ADHD. In the family, if there's four kids and three are doing well, and genetically the parents are bright look, and the fourth kid is not doing well, look for ADHD. If there is substance abuse that's not getting well, look for ADHD. Don't miss the ADHD. ADHD is everywhere. Very many patients have symptoms of ADHD, but every, everybody is not ADHD. So how do you decide? So in a child, there are three more important areas and uh, to determine if it's an illness or not. Number one, one is psychiatry, if, they, if there are symptoms in a child, and it affects either one of three areas. The first area affects the school life, so the teachers will complain. Secondly, affect affects the social life. The friends don't like them, don't want to play with them. And thirdly, affects their home life if they're fighting with the other sibling. So th- those are the three things. If there's impairment in any one or two of these areas, you have to treat. In an adult, again, the three areas that you have to watch out for, that if there's an uh, uh, impairment, then you've got to treat it. When there is an impairment, so in adults, it's your marriage or your home life. Secondly, socially, in a community, are you light? And thirdly, at your work, are you fighting with everybody? Are you firing your boss or you're know, firing your girlfriend? So these are the three uh, areas you have to watch out for if there's any impairment. The last thing is that uh, the most important thing for a child, an ADHD child, is a good parent and a good teacher. So you better suck up to the teacher and be friends with the teacher because they control everything. Usually in assessment, we take two-thirds the teacher's opinion and one-third the parents. And in, a, in an adult, the two important things is a good partner
1: and a good career. So we have to balance things out. All right. We're going to take another short eight break. And then uh, we, when we come back, I'd like to talk about a little bit more about uh, the treatment. We'll be back after this.
0: This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dyscam, pharmacists who care.
1: Welcome back to Dyscam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. We're speaking to ADHD specialist, psychiatrist, Dr. Shabir Jeevan. We we're just talking about different treatments and and diagnosis of ADHD. So how do you titrate the drugs? How do you know what dose to start on and how do you titrate the drugs for the different patients?
2: Okay, okay. sorry to interrupt. In the end, just give me three minutes for screen time because it's very pertinent these days to talk about it. How do you you titrate the medication? Okay, I'm Canadian trained, so I use the Canadian guidelines. And the latest thinking in the world, which is very alien to most parents and uh, family doctors, in the past, when you were at medical school or psychiatry, we used a, sprint, a 10 milligrams for kg or something like that, and use all that stuff. No, that's not how it works. The new thinking is there's no parameters that predicts optimal stimulant dose. So you don't use weight anymore. So if you're big and fat, in the old days you thought was big and fat, you give him more medication. You don't need age anymore. My medication was always less than my son who has ADHD because I genetically gave it to him. So it's got nothing to do with age. You don't use gender anymore. If he's a boy, he's more active, he should get more than the girls. That's not true. And lastly, the uh, you don't use the rating scales. So all that uh, what you've learned, and so many milligrams per dose, and so many milligrams, that's not true. The other thing is parents say it's too much. If it's too much and the side effects, you just stop it. And if, uh, we have uh, a Canadian guidelines. You can see the parameters. What is the way you do it. Each person must have their dose titrated to the individual needs and duration of dose, which which means, we know from the Canadian guidelines, let's take, for example, contramile, which is Concerta, uh, they say the maximum is 72 in a child. So you would start with, uh, you wouldn't start with 18, because 18 is like smarties, it doesn't really work very well. So you start with 27 milligrams, and then you see how the patient does. Now, if the patient is doing well, if they've never used stimulants in their life, they all do dramatically well in the first two weeks of use. You're very happy and the family doctor is happy that he's got the right uh, mixture and the right dose, which is not true. Because after several weeks, they, uh, they, they, uh, they stabilize and they need a higher dose. That's just in the beginning. If you are raw and you have never tried stimulants, then there's magic results usually in the first uh, two weeks. The negative part of the same thing, uh, the side effect is headaches, appetite suppression and insomnia. So headaches, you tell the patient, take panado as much as you want. It'll go away in 10 days. Now, the appetite suppression and insomnia, the patients that we use, the breaks, the epiluminospital, the epiluminospital increases the weight and increases the appetite. The stimulants decrease the weight and decrease the appetite. So they usually balance out. So we don't have much of a problem we use all this in a combined type of ADHD or active type of ADHD. So you, t- you try to treat it. Lately. So what we do, we we give them, say, for example, I start with 27 milligrams, and if they're very active or impulsive or opposition, defined like ba- behavior, I add the breaks, the epilome, and respirator. Then I send a form to the teacher. There's three forms we give out. The first form is about the ADHD child are entitled to for accommodation, so they must sit in the front and middle. You can sign it, and they get a VIP pass, and they must get 25 to 30 percent more time for uh, exams, tests, and projects. And most schools are great; they do give them uh, that. So that is, and the third part we give a sheet for diet, which they must eat a high protein, low carbs diet. And uh, last thing, we give them a rating scale form that they make copies and they give it to the teacher. And every month when they come back to see us, they come with those rating scales. And with the rating scales, it's Connor's rating scales. You can see where the teacher's having problems. Is there a problem with inattention? Is there problem with impulsivity? Is there problem with overactivity? And that's how you go up and down and get it right. Usually it takes three sessions or three months to sort it out. It's very easy. Every patient must be treated. It doesn't we're not talking about Ritalin. we're talking about ADHD. It's criminal on the parents if they don't treat a child. You don't outgrow it. Seventy percent goes to adulthood and eighty two percent develop some other comorbidity. Comorbidity means additional illness. So we are the American Pediatric Association is going as early as five years to treat the the children. And under five years, at four years of age, if you have all the symptoms of ADHD, between three, four, and five, if you have all the symptoms of ADHD, you can diagnose it, but you use behavior therapy. But when behavior therapy doesn't work, like for anger management and things, or behavior therapy is not available, you can use your medication. So we've gone down from six, five, to even three. So uh, And it's just going to get worse. If one parent has ADHD... Then 50%, 40 to 50% chance that the other, one of the children will have it. If both parents have ADHD, then there's 60 to 70% higher. So it's a treatable condition. It, there's no cure, but it's fully, uh, controllable. So too much of a dose and too little of a dose is not. So what happens? We give the child the medication. We watch them every month with the rating scales from the teacher. Then every year, January, when there's a new year, we challenge them with the next dose to see which is the optimum dose. And if it's too much, what will happen? They'll have a hell of a headache. They have appetite suppression and insomnia. And if it's too little, uh, then we unfortunately will have to go up again. So it is a scientific thing. It's not just from the top of your head and you don't calculate five milligrams per kg and all that. Yes, Tatera, which is a non-stimulant, which they've got the INR, the uh, generic, that use 1.4 to 1.8 milligrams per kg. But the stimulants you don't, the, as I said, the weight, the age, the gender, that does not work anymore. And this is new thinking. Thank you.
1: Thank you for um, that awesome explanation. So can we move on quickly? You said, uh, mentioned earlier on screen time, and you said also getting stimulation um, or stimulant behavior from using TV games or watching TV or screen time or video games. Can we chat a little bit about that? Uh,
2: okay. So screen time is a, uh, it's very, very important. So we have COVID and non-COVID. So uh, the holistic treatment uh, used for ADHD is exercise, omega, uh, high-protein diet, stimulating foods, and now it's screen time. So there's a condition called cyber, cyber addiction, and uh, uh, the rules in America is the kids use 30 to 45 minutes a day. This is non-COVID time, 30 to 45 minutes a day from Monday to Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday is like a uh, weekend. They are only allowed two hours uh, a day. But now the thing is, um, COVID is like a holiday, is like a weekend. So unfortunately, unfortunately, you allow them two hours a, a day every day. Now, what is the disadvantage? What goes wrong? The, the Germans believe there's a condition, digital dementia, that, that is caused by abusing uh, cyber addiction. Is PlayStation, Game Boy, TV, phone, all the stuff. So if you abuse it, a condition, digital dementia, you forget it. And your brain—it fries the brain. That's what I tell the kids. But the issue is that the Germans are now believing that it's irreversible, so it causes problems later in your in your life. So it's very important to discuss about uh, about screen time. So if it's COVID days, unfortunately, two hours a day is fine. Now and then, if they're abusing it, or every time you fight with them, uh, when to stop? They don't want to stop. So we have an app, an app called Our Pact. O U R space P A C T. This is for the parents. They can put it in their phone, and they can po- control all the gadgets at home. They just time it and put a program in, and it just stops automatically. Initially, the kids will think there's something wrong with the app or with the electronic gadget, or there's something wrong with electricity. So you don't have to go fight with them. You just program it uh, 45 minutes or 30 minutes, and whatever you want, or you guys discuss. You have to decide together what is the what is the amount. Now, how can the kids get more time? uh first of all the marks improve so he said okay for every one percent you get more I'll, i could consider giving you 15 minutes if you get 10 uh, percent more i'll give you one hour so he can buy it from you or if you set the table or you clean your room or you do a chore that i want uh, you can buy some time from me and you can you can show them this is the value of if you wash the car you get so many minutes if you mow the lawn i don't think the kids here do it but in north america all the kids." They wash the cars and they mow the lawn and they even work uh, very young. So that uh, so that was happening. Now about screen time, what should you do? It should be a family affair. That means uh, when they're having dinner, there should be no cell phone, no tablets, no TVs. And one hour before bedtime, they should stop all the all the devices. And even when they're sitting and eating together, the beeping and all must stop because it distracts the other kids. Further, the parents have to monitor, so you're not snooping on their things. You are uh, basically checking uh, which sites they go to. So they must give you their email addresses, and uh, you can check the cell phones. And also, if, uh, if they don't want to do it, the older kids won't do it, the younger kids will do it. But now you have to set the very, uh, two important things for the ADHD children. One is routine at home, and secondly is the uh, calmness of the room. So you have a beeping phone or you have the Zoom on the other side. No, that's not acceptable because these kids have to have a, uh, a, qui- a quiet room where they can le- learn and, and concentrate. The other thing is they have to dock the device very early before they go uh, to the room. So they have, uh, they have to balance the activities between their chores, their homework, their sports, their outdoor activities, and, the, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, get all the screen time, all the uh, Appliances, and lastly, you can also control your Wi-Fi. That means you can automatically have it going off, so they don't they don't uh, um, use it while you're asleep. The last thing is, uh, this morning I was reading something on American Academy of Pediatrics talking about media, and this was very interesting. They said between birth and 18 months, there should be no screen or digital time except with video chatting with family uh, overseas or something like that. Between two and five years old, you limit the screen time to one hour per day of high-quality TV, videos, or games. Uh, okay. and six years and older, limit the viewing to less than two hours a day. But uh, I seem to like that other formula of Monday to Thursday, 30 to 45 minutes, and two hours uh weekend, or weekend starts on Friday, Friday, Saturday, and, and Sunday. The other thing, the last thing, is the parents can use filters. to the certain engines they don't go to, like pornography and that. You've got to talk to your kids about video games, what it does, because you get a quick answer and a quick stimulation. That's why ADHD uh, like it. The other thing at your home, the computers uh, for, it should be in public area, like in a kitchen or home office, because if it's hidden in the bedroom, they go into all, all other sites. And uh, definitely... Uh, they've got to turn off all the TV devices when they are not, are not in use. In certain places, you cannot use the uh,
1: cell phone and that, like possibly riding in the car or supper or things like that. Thank you. Okay, we're going to, ta- we're going to take another short ad break, and then I want to talk about those new drives that uh, you mentioned on the market. We'll be back after this.
0: This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Just
1: Care Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we've had the most unbelievable show talking about ADHD with Dr. Shiva. And uh, we, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Jeeva, that there are new drugs on the market for ADHD. Yes. Can you, okay, can you tell us a bit about them, please.
2: Every family doctor and mother knows about Ritalin 10 milligrams, and Ritalin 10 milligrams was improved to long-acting called Ritalin L.A., and it was further improved to call Concerta and uh, the smooth uh, Concerta, and lastly the generic was Contramital. Rather use the smooth, long-acting than the short-acting Ritalin. I don't know why the family doctors just start with short-acting Ritalin. It's the same thing. It is used. It's improved. After 20, 30 years, we improved that. But anyway, the Ritalin family is called methylphenidate. And the new family that has been in South Africa many years ago, it's an amphetamine. So A is for amphetamine, M is for methylphenidase. So the short-acting methylphenidase is Ritalin. The short-acting amphetamine, amphetamine is called dexedrine, which was in South Africa over 20 years ago. And they took it off the market because the women were using it in a weight loss clinic. And guys, was, uh, guys were crushing it and snorting and injecting it. So they had to take it off. But in Canada, in America, they didn't take it off. They went on to make a better product, long-acting. So then from from uh, Ritalin 10 milligrams tablet, they went on to Ritalin SR, which was useless, very flat. And then from Ritalin SR, they went to Ritalin LA. It's only longer, longer in time, duration of, at school. And then from Ritalin LA, they went into Concerta, which is the longest uh, methylphenidate in the country at the moment. And the generic is, which we tend to use mainly is Contramel, but equally uh, good results. So on the other side of the fence, we had the, uh, the Zipram, uh, I mean Dexedrine, which I said they were abusing in the past. They took it off the market here, which is 10 milligrams. Now, Dexedrine is twice as strong. It's an amphetamine. It's twice as strong as Ritalin. Then <clears throat> the Americans went on to make Adderall. No, they make Dexedrine Spansual. It's a bit longer and weaker. It is a bit useless. And then uh, they made Adderall, which is a magic drug. Adderall is a combination of D-amphetamine and L-amphetamine. It's a combination of the two amphetamines. And then Adderall was about seven hours. Then Adderall, made, they made Adderall XR, was about nine hours a dual combination. Then it lost its patency. <clears throat> then the latest one they <clears throat> they made is called Vyvanse, V-Y-V-A-N-S-E. We are importing it on Section 21 through uh, the way it's normally done, so if any patients need it. So what happened is that the short-acting dexidine, then Adderall, then Adderall-XR, it went on and on. So the Ritalin, why, why, why is Vivant superior? Number one, it is last 14 and a half hours. So you can take it in the morning and you can forget it. Number two, it has no power. It, you don't feel anything happening inside, but it does its work. I took my vibance this morning and I'm sorry, quite chilled here on radio. Next is that it comes in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 milligrams capsules. The 10 and the 70 is not going to come into South Africa. We're only going to have 20 to 60. So if you want to save money and your child is taking 50, you can. my patients taught me that they buy 60 because the prices are nearly similar, and then they half it because this can be open. It's in granules. It can be put in applesauce or yogurt or in water. So what is the super- why is it superior? Number one, it is uh, the violence is long-acting. But the amphetamines, they work on the dopamine, which we want, they work on the noidolin, and they also work on serotonin. That means that uh, anxiety is a very big part of adolescent and adult ADHD, and you don't have to use other medication like the brakes and everything else. That will cut down the anxiety and depression. So in that way, (coughs) it is far superior. Besides blocking the uptake like the methylphenidate, what the viven does, it also produces new dopamine, noidoline, and serotonin. So it's very superior. In North America, the kids mainly still use the uh, methylphenidate-Ritalin group. The adolescent and adults, mainly use uh, the amphetamine Vivens group or group. That, uh, the thing is about the methylphenidate you cannot move easily from A to B you are stuck on wherever you are so if you're learning it's good for learning for the kids at school but the amphetamine you can easily change from A to B so adults uh, who are working and they want to multitask it's very nice because it helps you move from A to B smoothly whereas the methylphenidate doesn't do it the side effects are the same headache Appetite suppression, insomnia, but it it covers so, anxiety, uh, depression Dr. too. Doctor
1: Jiva, out of time. I I could do a whole other hour with you, and please, God will. Please, can you just tell us your website? If people want to get hold of you.
2: Yeah, it's a very good website. It's got uh, movies, TV shows, uh, articles, everything. com. and you can print whatever Thank you, you so want.
1: Much. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeeva, for this unbelievable show. I think we're going to do another, um, yes, another do ed- show soon. you should do Thank you. Ed-